Good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to Woodburn Baptist Church. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I love the days that we do communion. Um, We also do it in the cafe, and it's usually one of the most special times uh, for me. It, It brings us back to what's the most important thing. It brings us back to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is why we're here. It is the reason that we're here this morning, because of what Jesus did on that cross. And I love every time we come back to that, and just, it, it brings back those, those thoughts, as Rod says, those memories of what Jesus has done for me, and the whole reason that I'm doing this this morning, while we're gathering here this morning, while we sing the songs that we sing, are because of what Jesus has done for us, what He did for us on the cross, and how He resurrected from the grave. So I hope you enjoy that time. I hope it's a celebration to you. I hope it's a time of remembrance to you, and you can go back into your mind when Jesus did that for you. I was reading Scripture this morning, and I came across a passage, and I want to, I want to read this passage as a prayer uh, this morning. Psalm 29. Came across this. It says in verse number four, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. He goes on to say in verse number seven, the voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. And I was reading that this morning, I was like, you know, that's my prayer this morning. My prayer is that that God's voice above our own voices will strike like a bolt of lightning here. That we'll see that His voice is powerful, that we'll see that His voice is majestic, that we'll see that His voice is, is preeminent above anything that we can say or do here this morning. It's His voice, and we desperately need to hear it this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time and ask for His voice to strike like a bolt of lightning this morning. Lord, we love You, and Lord, we thank You for your blood. Lord, we thank you for your death. We glory in your resurrection. Lord, this morning, we desperately need to hear your voice. We desperately need to see the majesty in it. We desperately need to experience your voice as a bolt of lightning on this place. Lord, I pray, God, that you would grant that. I pray, God, that you would mend hearts, change lives, push us out to do something incredible for you in our lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Judges. Uh, If you've never read the book of Judges, I encourage you to read it. If you like good stories, if you like uh, entertainment, if you like uh, just what God can do through a people when everything is messed up. Um, this is the book for you. Uh, we're going to jump into the story of Gideon, chapter number six here in just a second. But I kind of want to go through chapter six, seven, and eight really fast in, uh, in just kind of a paraphrase way of doing things. So uh, the whole thing with the, the nation of Israel was that they were in sin. They were constantly in sin, and and constantly God was bringing them out and and restoring who they were and restoring them as a people. 
But in this case, they were in sin, and God says, you know what, I'm going to just let the, the Midianites come in and, and just do their worst to you to understand how serious your sin is. So what we see in chapter 6 is the Midianites coming into the land and pretty much destroying the Israelites' land and placing them under bondage and placing them as, as slaves under them. It was re- it's really interesting that, you know, you read in the very first uh, part of this passage here, and it talks about how the Midianites uh, would destroy their crops. They would come in with camels, hordes of camels and hordes of people, and would completely destroy the Israelites' crops. And they would stay there until they were gone. So you had a lot of the Israelites hiding their, their crops and doing whatever they could to, to get back at the Midianites to hold on to what they had. And in the midst of this, they cried out to God and said, God, we need you. We need you. So God sent a prophet. God sent a judge to bring them out by the name of Gideon. Well, Gideon, we're going to read here in a few seconds, Gideon had some issues with that whole calling thing. And so he went on with his life, but he, he ended up answering the call of God. And, and then he, he came to God. He's like, God, if you're God, if you're the angel of the Lord, I really, need, I really need you to tell me that. I really need to know that for sure. So he went and cooked a lamb and, and brought it and stuck it on an altar. And the angel of the Lord touched the lamb and the, the offering with, a, with his staff and it burned up. And Gideon's like, Okay, I believe you. Uh, you're a God, because that was incredible, okay? So he went on about it, and he's like, and then he began to tear down the, the, the poles, the Asherah poles, and the, the prophets of Baal, the, the altars of Baal. He started tearing those down for the people of Israel. And then God's like, I want you to destroy the Midianites. Now you've got your people right. You've got your people back on the, the right track. Now I want you to destroy the Midianites. So what you see in chapter number six and seven is this, 32,000 soldiers were mobilized to destroy the Midianites. And then God said, that's way too many soldiers. That's just way too many. I want you to get rid of some of them. So he said, Gideon, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to your 32,000 men and, and say, if you're scared, if you want to go home and, and sit this one out, then I'm going to allow you to do that. Well, guess what happened? There was a lot of scared folks. 22,000 people were like, peace, I'm out. I'm going to my house. <laughs> like, you know, Netflix is calling me right now. So he had 10,000 left, and God looked at Gideon and said, 10,000 is way too many people. Now, you got to understand something. Midianites had around 135,000 soldiers, and God's like, 10,000 is still too many for you to fight the Midianites. So he said, Gideon, i tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go down to the creek, and I want you to have them drink water. And how they drink water is how you're going to divide them up. So Gideon's like, okay, I'll, I'll do that. So they, the, all the soldiers went down to the, to the creek. Gideon says, uh, get some water. And he said, all the ones that, that bend down into the water and dip it up with their hands and drink out of their hands, I want you to place over here. Everybody that bends all the way down to the water and drinks out of the water with their mouth, I want you to put over here. And, and God says, I want you to take the ones that drink out of their hands. Well, guess how many that left? 300 people. 300. That was it. And God said, perfect. That's exactly how many I want you to take. He said, the reason I want you to just take this 300 is because I don't want the Israelites thinking that they did this. I want the Israelites to know that I did this. So Gideon and his band of merry men, the 300 guys, um, Gideon gives all of them a, a ram's horn and a 
and a uh, lantern, a, a clay jar with a lantern inside of it. And that's it. They walk up and they, they divide up and kind of gather around the Midianite campsite. And Gideon says, at the moment that I blow my horn, I want you to blow your horn. And I want you to say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And I want you to crash your clay jar and hold your lantern up. And that's it. That was the battle plan. So they get up around the, the 135,000 Midianites, and they do exactly that. They blow, the, blow their horns, say the sword of the Lord, and, and of Gideon, and crash their, their clay jars and hold their lanterns up. And the Midianites wake up from their sleep and are really confused. They're like, what in the world is going on? And in their confusion, they began to fight themselves and destroy themselves and take off running all over the place. And the Israelites are like, all right, <laughs> and took off after them. And Gideon continued to pursue the kings of Midian and continued to pursue them and continued to pursue them and finally caught up with them. After a hundred and, it's like 120,000 had been killed, mostly by themselves and mostly, you know, the Israelites chasing them. So there's only, only 15,000 left. And they ended up destroying all of them. And finally Gideon caught up with the kings of, of Midian. And the kings of Midian, it's really interesting, it's kind of hilarious, in verse number 21 of chapter 8, it says this, then Ziba and Zalmunna said to Gideon, so Gideon's sitting there and he's like, hey man, um, I want you to kill these guys. And the guys look at Gideon as Gideon's walking off, and they said, be a man and kill us yourself. And Gideon turns around and says, give me a sword. What? And kills him himself, and, and the Midianites were completely destroyed, and the nation of Israel began to be on a path of revival and greatness once again. It's an incredible, incredible story in the Word of God. Incredible story. But it all started, it all went back to one man that God called, and that man's by the name was, was named Gideon. I want you to look at verses 11 through 16 of chapter number 6, and we'll kind of focus on that and jump off of that. A little bit. Verse number 11 says this. Let's go back to the calling. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. An incredible, incredible passage of Scripture here. And there's a few things I want to point out here for you from this passage of Scripture. In verses 11 and 12, let's read it one more time. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the tree at Ophrah and belonged to Joash the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord peered to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And this is the first thing that I want you to see about this past, this, these two verses here this morning. Where there is a need, God looks for a hero. 
and that hero is always an ordinary person. You see, Gideon was sitting here just doing what he was supposed to do. He was being a farmer. He was hiding grain from the Midianites. He was doing everything he can to just survive. He was doing everything he can to provide for his family. He was just doing his job. And then all of a sudden, God says, mighty hero, mighty hero, I am with you. So the thing is, is there was this huge need, as you see in, the, in this story, that the, the sin was rampant in the land. These Israelites were, were totally involved in sin, and these Midianites had come in to destroy them. And there was this huge need for somebody to stand up, somebody to be the leader, somebody to be the one that goes out and destroys these guys and brings Israel back to where they need to be. There's this incredible need. And where there is a need, God looks for a hero. And if we stopped right there, we'd be really depressed because most of us in here aren't heroes. Most of us in here don't have supernatural powers. We're not supermen. Most of us in here don't have a ton of talent. But the thing is, that's not where it stops because the hero is always an ordinary person. God doesn't look for the, su- the supermen. God doesn't look for those necessarily that always have the, the most going for them. He looks for the ones that are ordinary. He looks for the ones that are just being faithful where they are. And then God steps in and says, I will be with you. I will be with you. So where there is a need, God looks for a hero. Let's go on, verse number 13 and 14. It says, Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Here's the next thing, the next thing that's in this passage. When you don't see God working around you, the easy thing is to question God's goodness. And that's exactly what Gideon was doing. He says, Sir, okay, it's good that you're talking about God's with me, but where is he? Because I'm, I'm looking around here, and I'm hiding as much grain as I can under everything that I can just to survive. If God is with me, where is he at? And he, he says here, he's like, he, he says in verse number uh, 13, he says, if the Lord's with us, what's happened to us? Uh, where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? In other words, he's like, listen, I, I know I've heard the stories about, G- about God parting the Red Sea and about how he brought us out of Egypt, but I'm not seeing any of that going on right now. In fact, I think God has abandoned us. And the truth is, when you don't see God working around you in your family, in your personal life, or in the church, or in the world, it's really easy to say, God, are you even there? Are you even good? Are you even existing? Are you even around us? I think you've abandoned us. But this is also the truth we find in this passage in verse number 14. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Mennonites. I am sending you. When you don't see God working around you, he's probably calling you to do something about it. Gideon so easily said, God, I don't see you. I don't see how good you are. I don't see if you even exist. I think you've just gone to another nation. You've gone to another people. I don't know who you are anymore. And God says, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. 
And when you see that God may not be working around you, you don't see how He's working around you, He's probably calling you to do something about it. He's probably looking at your heart and your life and saying, you're the one that I'm trying to do, do something with here. You're the one that sees this need. Now stand up and do something about it. You're the one. You're the one. Verse, verses 15 and 16 says this, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Here's the truth here. You can come up with plenty of excuses of why you can't do what God wants you to do, but if you don't step out, you will never experience what God can do through you. And that's where where Gideon was. He says, listen, my family is the smallest family in the whole nation of Israel. And I am the weakest one in that family. Who am I to stand up and do something? And God says, listen, I will be with you. And you will fight the Midianites just like you were fighting one man. Gideon would have never seen, if he would have just stayed there in his little wine press, hiding grain his whole life, he would have never seen what God could have done through his life. And the problem is, a lot of times in our life, we're stuck in the same boat. We can come up with plenty of excuses. God, I can't do this. I'm not the person for this. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I can't do this. What about my family? What about this person? What about my job? What about my career? What about my plans for the future? What if, what if, what if? And the truth is, is if we don't just step out and obey God and meet the needs around us, we'll never see and experience what God can do through us. We need to see that in our world. So that's Gideon. That's Gideon. So let's look at the need, or needs around us. Let's look at the needs in the world. I can give you a few statistics, a few things just to think about this morning. Uh, in the world, there's an incredible need for the gospel of Christ to go out into the world and transform the world. In the country of Yemen, uh, in the Middle East, in northern Yemen, there are around 8 million people Do you know how many Christians are there? As far as they can tell, there are 20. 20. There's more than 20 people in one of these pews. In the whole country of Yemen, in northern Yemen, of 8 million people, there are only about 20 Christians in the entire nation. In the world, there's only one missionary from the United States for every 750,000 Muslims. From the United States, there's only one missionary for every 750,000 Muslims. Let that sink in just a little bit. One for every 750,000. Across the United States in, in Christianity, there, uh, the ratio is this. There are seven single girls that go out onto mission for every one single guy. Is it that God's just not calling guys to serve into the, in the world, in the most dangerous parts of the world, to spread the gospel? Is he just calling girls, or is it that he's calling guys, and guys aren't answering the call, and guys aren't going into the world? And I started thinking about our own church and the ratio here, you know, the ratio there is seven to one, and I started thinking about our own church, and I, I couldn't think but about one guy from Woodburn Baptist Church, single guy that has gone out into the world in mission, but I could, I could think of a handful of girls, single girls, that have done the same thing. 
And so the ratio stands true, even here at Woodburn Baptist Church, that there, there are plenty of girls going on a world, world mission, but there are very few guys. There's an incredible need in the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go. There's an incredible need. But that's in the world. And you're thinking, I live in Woodburn. I live in Bowling Green. What about us right here? Well, in our community, there's a great need as well. In your school, in your workplace, and in your neighborhood— Think about this statistic. Between 70 and 80% of the people that you come in contact with every day don't know Jesus as their Savior. The people that you sit around every day, the people that you drive by every day, the people that you buy from every day, the people that you wave to every day, between seven and eight out of the every 10 people that you see don't know Jesus as their Savior. The need in Yemen is great. The need in India is, is incredible. And yes, we need to be sending people out as much as possible to those areas, to those unengaged, unknown areas for the gospel's sake. But also right here where we sit, right here where we play, right here where we work and go to school are people that are lost and going to hell all around us. The need is great in our community, but also right inside of our church. Right inside of our church, there's a huge need. Because the problem is this. We can come week after week and attend and leave unchanged. We can come week after week without God moving in a miraculous and a real way. And we're okay with that. We can, we can leave and people are still not freed from their bitterness and unforgiveness. We can leave and people are still slaves to their sin. We can leave and families are still crumbling out from under them. We can leave and no one is mobilized to reach the lost and we are okay with that. Right inside of our own church is an incredible need for people to love Jesus deeply and do something about the needs that are around them. I think we do a really good job here at Woodburn Baptist Church of caring for people, but I think we do a really uh, rough job sometimes of digging down into Scripture and digging down into prayer and getting to know who God is and allowing Him to change us from the inside out and change us and everybody around us. And this is the truth. We have an incredible need for God to work in and through us. And, and this is what can happen a lot of times. We may think, well, God's not working around us. So something's going on. Maybe, maybe he's not working at all. Maybe he has abandoned us. Maybe he's not even real. Maybe not. And the truth is, we can look around the world and actually see God working. In South Korea, the gospel is exploding. There are now, listen to this, there are now more, uh, as many or more missionaries coming from South Korea into the world than from the United States. Isn't that incredible? There are more missionaries coming from South Korea into the world than the United States is sending out into the world. Eleven out of the twelve largest churches in the world are from Seoul, South Korea, from one city. Eleven out of the twelve largest churches in the world. There's an estimated 16,000 new Christians every single day in the nation of China. 16,000 brand new Christians every single day. That's like the size of five Pentecost every single day in the nation of China. 
There is a real goal in India to plant in all and plant a church in all one million villages around the nation of India. And that plan is being seen now. God is working in the world, but for some reason we don't see him working like that right here in our midst. When we go back to Gideon, the whole idea is if you see a need, it's really easy to say, you know what, something's wrong with God. Something's going on. But the truth is, is he's probably saying, you may be the one. You may be the one that needs to meet that need. The truth is, there's a room full of people right here, right here, that if you got serious about the call of God on our life, the serious about the gospel exploding into the, into the world, then this country would be changed. The, the world would be changed for Christ. God wants to use us in incredible ways. And the truth is, I, I thought about this Wednesday night, I mentioned this, but, but what if, what if we as a group of people got on, the knees, our, on our knees and, and prayed the power of God down in the presence of, of God down? What if we as families uh, begged God for his presence, begged God for his power, and then we stayed there until God sent it? Many of you have heard the story of, of Gypsy Smith, an evangelist, uh, evangelists that would go out and preach, and, and the power of God would fall on, it, on his preaching time and, and his revivals in an incredible way. But he was really discontent with his life. He was discontent with where he was. So one day he got into his room, got a piece of chalk, and he drew a circle in front of his bed. And then he, he got on his knees inside that circle, and he prayed this prayer. He says, God, I will not get up and out of this circle until you send revival to the person inside of this circle. And he stayed there, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed until God sent revival to his own heart. And then he says, now I can go out and share the gospel with other people. What if, what if we did that? What if we as a people, what if we as Woodburn Baptist Church, the people here and the families in here, the small groups in here and the Sunday school classes from this room, got serious about the presence and the power of God in our own lives, and we did our own circles and got in them and says, God, I'm not getting up until you do something. God, I'm not getting up until you move here. I'm not moving until you move. So that's the need. The need is great. The need is great. But here's the challenge. The challenge. Uh, The challenge is to listen. Listen to the needs. Because all around us, are incredible needs. Inside of this church, there's incredible needs. In, in our community, there are incredible needs. In our world, there are incredible needs. So listen to the needs, but also listen to the Word of God. Turn over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verses 14 through 17. Here's what the Bible says. Romans 10, 14 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So he says here in verse 14, he's like, how can... uh, 
how can they, be, they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they be saved unless they believe? How can they believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless somebody tell them? And how can somebody tell them unless we send them? That's what the Word of God says. So listen to the Word of God. That's the challenge. See what the Word of God says. Because when you read the Word of God, it brings out the needs around you. You see the needs in your own life. You see the needs in your family. You see the needs in those around you. So listen to the Word of God and what it says to us. But also the second challenge is this, trust. Trust God. I was reading in John chapter 6 not too long ago, and, he said, and Jesus says this, this is the only work I have for you to do right now. Believe. But they're like, you know, God, we really want to do great miracles. We want to do great works for you. We want to see this and that done. We want to have things. And, and Jesus says, no, stop, stop. Believe. The, the works and the, the great things will be taken care of. I'll do those. But what your job is is to believe me. Trust in me. So the challenge is to listen. The challenge is to trust because God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And when you're ordinary, you need him to show up and do the work. Gideon asked this question, how can I? How can I? And God answers it back, I will be with you. We may think the 2020 vision is so big and grand that we can't grab hold of it. And we can't because we're ordinary people. But the truth is God can We may think, man, I can't reach my neighbor across the street. They're just too hard to reach. Well, we can't, but God can because he's with us. Well, we can't send missionaries out into the world from Woodburn Baptist Church. We just don't have enough money. We just don't have enough people. We just don't have enough whatever. Yes, we can. Not, we're we're ordinary. We can't do it, but, but God can through us. Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission, he's like, you'll be witnesses and all these places, and he says, guess what? I will be with you. I will be with you to the end of the age. It's the same promise. It's the same promise from thousands of years before with Gideon. When you say, I can't do this, or how can I do this? And the truth is, God says, I will be with you. So the, the challenge is to listen, the challenge is to trust, and the challenge is to go, to go. Where are we supposed to go? We're supposed to go through the open doors. We're supposed to go through the open doors. God has a door open for you right now. No matter who you are in this room, God has a door that's open for you. You, Even if you're in elementary school this morning, there's somebody probably in your classroom that you need to show kindness to, that you need to show love to. The person that nobody ever shows kindness to or an encouragement to. That's the, per- that's the open door for you. You may be in a, a person that's a, a career person. You need to leverage your success and leverage your money for the kingdom of God. That's your open door right now. Maybe it's your family and, and where you get with them every single night or, or during the week and you pray with them and share scripture with them. Right now, that's your open door. Go through the open doors that God has given us. What is your open door? Who do you need to share Christ with? Who do you need to start the converse, a spiritual conversation with? How do you need to obey right now? How do you need to serve right now? How do you need to lead your family right now? You may think, man, he's talking about big things like Yemen and India. And that could be in the future for you. But 
Right now where you are, what are you supposed to do? Right now where you are. Because you will never be shown God's will for your life in the future if you don't do God's will now. You have to do what you know to do right now. So this is the challenge, to listen, to trust, and to go. Are you the ordinary person that God's looking for? More than likely, sitting inside of this room this morning is at least one Gideon. More than likely, there's somebody that God is speaking to and says, you are that person that I want to raise up, that I'm going to be with, that changes the ball game. You're the one that needs to get on their knees and beg God for his presence and his power in your life. And then this place would explode. You're the one that's a catalyst for your family that will lead them to the presence and power of God in their own life. There's at least one person in this room that sees a need, and you've questioned God's goodness, you've, che- you've questioned His grace, and God's pointing at you and says, do something about it. Do something about it. I want you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes this morning. And the question is, is it you? Is it you? Is it you that needs to listen? Is it you that needs to trust? Is it you that needs to go? And what is your open door right, right now? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, for everything that you've done for us. Lord, we pray that you would mobilize an army for your for the gospel's sake, for your kingdom. Lord, we pray that you would send out people to this community, you'd send out people to their own families, that you would send out people through the open doors, that they would reach somebody, that they would influence somebody, that they would do something for your kingdom today. Lord, I pray for the ones that desperately need to get on their knees and beg God for revival inside of their circle. Small groups need to get together and do that. Sunday school classes need to get together and beg God for that. And we need to see see a mighty moving of God from this place. Lord, we desperately need you today. In Jesus' name, amen.